Hello, my lovely people, and welcome to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. This week, we will be talking about Snow White, Blood Red, season five, episode four, first aired November 13th, 1988. And the IMDb summary reads, a massive storm results in Jessica snowed in at a ski lodge with an Olympic men's ski team and a murderer on the loose. Now, the prime video summary, I like it a little bit better. So (laughs) it says a jealous husband, an angry wife, a frustrated agent, and a lodge full of competitors are suspects in a champion skier's death. Yeah. Okay. Much better. (laughs) Okay. So for this episode, There actually wasn't any listed trivia on IMDb, but I will say that in looking through the cast for returners, which we have one, there are approximately four other characters who are making their first appearance here and will return for one to two more episodes as different people, but this is the first episode for at least three to four actors. So let's get to the returner, John Laughlin. And we will recognize him as Bill Ainsley from Dead Man's Gold, season three, episode six. And he was one of the divers on Leslie Nielsen's team. Now I forget his, <laughs> I forget his character's name. <laughs> But Bill was injured when his oxygen tank ran out of oxygen while he was still down there under the water. He passed out. His wife noticed that he hadn't come up. They kind of, you know, didn't pay her any mind, but she got hysterical. They went out looking and he had passed out in the water. They brought him up and He ended up being fine, but he had to go into the hospital for a bit of time after that incident. So, yeah. And uh, if you haven't seen that episode, watch it. But spoiler, the wife is the murderer. And she (laughs) she did not she set him up for this, but didn't expect him to get hurt. So, yeah. Mm, Trifling. So in this episode, he plays Mike Lowry, okay? (laughs) He got the short end of the stick again, all right? (laughs) He doesn't end up injured. Well, no, I take that back. Anyway, we'll get into this. (laughs) So the full cast, we have ex-NYPD Lieutenant Ed McMasters and his wife, Sylvia. We have Gunnar Tilstrom, Mike Lowry, Larry McIver, Anne Lowry, John Dowd, or Johnny Dowd, Pamela Leeds, Carl Anderson, and Dr. Lewis. So we open up with Jessica, quotes, Jessica, okay, clearly a stunt double, not even her stunt double. There is literally a man who does all of the skiing in this. He He's listed on IMDb. And they list him as the skier. And when you look into his background, it's all stunt work. So 
I'm assuming, I'm assuming when they say skier, he's the one who is, uh, the actual person doing the stunt. So it's Jessica okay, <laughs> skiing down the mountain. She gets to the bottom and about halfway down, another skier joins in and it turns out that that's Johnny Dowd. And, you know, he was like, oh, Mrs. Fletcher, I thought that was you. Like, I thought you said you were out of practice. And she's like, I am. <laughs> that was scary. I was like, okay, girl, (laughs) you look real comfortable. And so Jessica's like, well, you know, as compared to the U.S. men's ski team or World Cup, she called them team, you know, I'm a novice basically. And Johnny is like, well, Gunnar Tilstrom is the only one who has already made the team for this year. So, you know, I don't know if we're all going to make it. So we find out that Jessica has reserved this weekend for as a present for Grady. And she says she hasn't seen him in a few months. And this is a a birthday gift for him, this ski weekend. So the next scene, we're in the ski shop with Anne and Mike. And they're arguing when Jessica walks in. And they don't even really like stop the tension when she walks in, okay? Anne tries to leave the conversation and deal with Jessica. Uh, Jessica has ordered a ski jacket for Grady. And this is when we find out that she hasn't seen him in three months. And this is uh, kind of a gift. This is a gift for him, but also, you know, she gets an opportunity to spend time with him. Now, Long story short, Grady never makes it up because they end up getting snowed in at the lodge before he's able to get there. And he doesn't even call on the phone because the phone lines go down at one point. So his name is mentioned twice. (laughs) He's not in this episode at all, which is interesting. I'm like, why can't she just go on a ski weekend herself? But okay, fine. And we never talk of this again. They never talk of skiing. They never talk about her, you know, giving him a weekend birthday gift, nothing. So, all right. So as Jessica is packing up the box where the Grady's coat is, the phone rings and picks up the phone. And clearly it's someone that she doesn't want to speak to in front of Mike. Mike grabs the phone and he's like, Gunner, Gunner, Gunner. Sorry, it's spelled Gunner, but it's pronounced Gunner. Gunner, is that you? Is that you? And the person hangs up. We find out it is Gunner. And so Jessica's like, ah, can you put this on my bill? And she leaves. <laughs> She's like, that look real personal, okay? None of my business. And so Anna's like, yes, of course, of course. So as soon as she leaves, Jessica leaves, Anne turns to Mike and she's like, how are you? Why are you embarrassing me like this? And Mike says, I've been wanting to ask you the same thing for the last week. So apparently Anne is sleeping with Gunnar Tilstrom. Now, Mike Lowry was on last year. No, not last year. Four years ago. So the last Olympics. Okay, because the Olympics are every four years, right? So the last Olympics, he was 
part of the U.S. World Cup team. The team consisted of, of course, Mike, Gunnar Tilstrom, Larry McIver, and Johnny Dowd. Now, all of them are at this lodge. So Anne and Mike own the lodge, and they invited the rest of the team, as well as regular guests are there, for a celebration. I guess the trials for that year's or the upcoming Olympics must be in process because Gunnar's already on the team and the other guys are uh, trying out for it. So I guess that's why they chose this time. But anyway, so yeah, Anne is straight up having in his face, in her husband's face, an affair with one of his former teammates. Now, Mike got injured, I'm assuming after the Olympics, because I believe they won the previous Olympics. He got injured three years ago. So it sounds like right after or during the Olympics, he gets injured and he is unable to ski at all, but they were able to purchase this lodge and they're trying to make this work. So, yeah. I was like, you got nerve to be like, why you're embarrassing me? Girl, you haven't a hole in front of everybody. Now, everybody know that you married to him and everybody knows that Gunnar Tilstrom is his former teammate, okay? And you out here just all out in the open and embarrass him, embarrassing him like that? Girl, the actual unmitigated nerve. Anyway, can, let's go on, okay? <laughs> so... The next scene, we're at the bar in the lodge. This all takes place in a ski lodge. So the ski shop is attached to it. They have a restaurant. They have the hotel rooms as well as a bar restaurant. So in the bar portion of the restaurant, Gunnar is sitting there and he's handing off a phone showing that he was the one who called the ski shop to speak with Anne. So Pam comes up to him and basically she is the person who was able to get him signed onto a $3 million deal to promote the ski equipment for the, either the company she works for or a client of her advertising firm. However, she got this job. And apparently, although Gunnar has qualified for the World Cup team, The rumor is that he is not going to compete. And she's like, if you don't compete, that's what's the point of the contract? The whole point and the reason I was able to get this contract for you is because you were supposed to compete and ideally win the Olympics. And so Gunnar is like, listen, I'm pushing 30. I don't want to end up crippled like Mike Lowry out here. Okay, I still got enough, uh, I'm still young enough (laughs) to be a gigolo. Let's get it. Let's not get it twisted. Okay. That's what he's trying to be. I'm like, sir, I see where you're going with this. I see where you're going with this. And he's like, yeah, I want to find a widow, a wealthy widow, not too ravaged by time who I can spend, you know, the rest of her life with and be a kept man. 
right? And I'm like, but didn't you make good money as a skier? You know what I mean? Like, where's your money? Like, why, why don't you have a trophy wife? Like, I don't understand how you broke. You broke. And you try to come up off some wealthy widow. Okay, sir. Usually it's the ski instructor, not the Olympic skier who is with the wealthy widow. Okay. Because he, what he's no Sven Torvald. Remember him from Widow Weep for Me? Now he was a ski instructor. He was a hustler from Jump. Okay, he was trying to get him a wealthy widow. All right, and that was understandable. But you, you're a champion, sir. Where, where's these millions that you got? Maybe he didn't, and he out here broke and just have his good looks. Okay, his workout regime. So Pam is like, oh, okay. You mean like that little picadillo? Never heard that used like that before. But okay, yes, in Lake Tahoe. And Gunnar is like, how'd you know about her? And Pam says, I heard a rumor. And rumor has it that she's not a widow and that she's married to one of those ugly gangster types who's very jealous and has a vindictive nature. So, yeah, not good. And this is a foreshadowing, people, a foreshadowing. Okay, so the next scene, we're in the gym and Gunnar is working out. And now they've been wearing these sweaters. So you didn't know, like, I didn't know. He looked like he could have a pot belly and like a dad bod. But now he is working out and you can see he is all muscled out. Okay, so I'm like, okay, you could get a, a wealthy widow. Okay, I see. I see. Okay, cool. You got all your hair at this point. It's all long and luxurious. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now in real life, he's bald now. Like I think he shaved it off. I don't, I, it might've made its own way out, but <laughs> he aged well. The actor aged well. So that's good. So Carl, who is Gunnar's coach, comes in and he, Carl is upset. He's like, I just spoke with Miss Reed and she's threatening to sue because you're not holding up your end of the contract. You signed a contract. Now you want to be out here playing games talking about, oh, I'm not going to ski anymore. I'm not going to compete anymore. And you think that they just going to give you $3 million? You think they ain't going to sue you? Man, you stupid. And Carl is trying to express to him the seriousness of this situation. And Gunnar is not hearing of it. He is disrespectful to Carl. And he's like, you, you know, you weren't the one out there racing with me. He's like, I'm your coach. Like, I'm not supposed to be out there racing with you. I'm supposed to help train you so that you can go out there and win. And you won. And so Gunnar says to Carl, well, you know what? You seem to... This is something that you couldn't win. And now you're trying to win it through me. If I do actually participate in the race, I'm going to do it without you. And pushes Carl, who clearly didn't expect it because he fell. And I'm like, I, I understand that Gunnar is, you know, like cut. But Carl is a bigger person physically and so that's why I'm like, he must have been taken by surprise. Like, it's part of the script, right? I don't mean surprise like that. 
but he he was not prepared for it because if he was standing there and he saw that coming, he could have he- held his ground and not fallen out. But he falls to the ground, and I think he was shocked. I think the whole the way the scene reads is that he was shocked that this person who he was coaching and clearly has a good relationship with or thought he did and was close to him is now throwing him away like trash, right? And not even giving him respect for having been his coach and helped him to win, right? Yeah. So Carl is messed up over this because he's like, what? what is happening? You know, this is... We hear later, like, this is all new. So Gunnar wasn't acting like this even a year ago, it appears. But he, something going on, something ain't right. And Carl is concerned. So Ed helps Carl up and Carl's just like, I I, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I gotta go, right? So the next scene, we're at the restaurant portion of the bar and Pam is speaking with Larry. Now, Larry is was on the Olympic team and he hasn't, uh, I don't know if he hasn't tried out yet or if he's in the process of trying out for this year's Olympic team. But Larry is super sweet. Like he is just seems like a good, genuine guy who is just talented in skiing. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't gotten a big head by being an Olympic champion or anything like that. He seems like a real down home guy. And so, or down to earth, I should say, (laughs) down to earth. And basically Pam is asking him, hey, if things fall apart with Gunnar, would you be willing to sign on to this contract? Now, I don't know if she was talking about $3 million or something comparable for Larry's notoriety and skill, right? And so Larry's like, well, you know what? Let's sleep on it. And this is what I mean. Like, he's just so innocent. He's like, oh, I mean, I I mean, like, I'll sleep on it. (laughs) And Pam is like, you are such a delight. It is fine. I did not read anything into that. I know you're, you didn't mean it that way. So we then, the camera then pans to the entrance of the restaurant. And we see Ed and Sylvia standing there. Jessica walks up and she starts to speak with them. They introduce themselves and we find out that Ed is with the NYPD. So the three of them end up sitting together and we find out that Ed was with NYPD for 24 years at this point. And Sylvia is like, just take the pension and retire. Ed is like, what am I supposed to do? Like work security, like I I don't have a plan for retirement, but I know I need to do something. And so he asks, like, Jessica, what do you think? And Jessica says, whatever you do, you have to fill your life with something, you know, whether it's doing security, whether it's teaching, whatever, something. And that's 100% true, because a lot of times you'll have people who their entire life is their job. And when they retire, They think, oh, I'm just going to sit and finally relax and sleep in and everything like that. And it don't work out. Either A, they go back to work. B, they, they go on to be with the Lord. Okay. Or C, they become very depressed. And so Jessica is like, when 
Frank died, if I didn't have, you know, my work, I, I don't know what I would have done. And so Sylvia asked, well, what, what do you do? And she said, well, at that time I was a school teacher. Now she don't say nothing about being a world renowned mystery writer now, but I, I agree with Ed saying that like, I don't have a plan yet. So I can't retire until I have locked in what I plan to do after I retire. So there is a band on stage that's playing in the background and the lead singer then stops and says, hey, you know, we just want to welcome the U.S. World Cup champions, you know, all of your skiers, I'm sure you know them. So he's like, Larry McIver, where are you? He stands up because he was sitting next to Pam and the the musician, the musician is like, don't y'all worry. You know, his mom said, gave him permission to be out tonight because that's the thing. He just gives off the vibe of being just an innocent, good person. Okay. <laughs> just not naive out here about to get snatched off the street type, you know, fall for a scheme and a scam, but just a very sweet person. Then it was like Johnny Dowd. Then it was um, Mike. Larry, I think he introduced him too. And then he calls Gunnar. He's like, don't hide. Where are you, Gunnar? And he is sitting next to Ann Lowry. They are having dinner together in the restaurant of the lodge that she owns with her husband. The level of disrespect and disgust I have at this point. Okay. Gunnar, whatever. He, he's trash. But Ann, what? disgusted like disgusted with this and you're sitting there and you got an attitude you lighting your cigarette with your fancy cigarette lighter sitting in a restaurant and then you look up and your whole husband co-owner of the lodge is standing in the corner looking Jessica looks between the two I'm like everybody know y'all married and you sitting there next to Gunnar, everybody know he a hoe, okay? <laughs> he, he is for the streets, as the young people say, okay? And you sitting right next to him in your husband's face like that? You, you got the nerve to have an attitude? Girl, there is a special place in hell for people like that. Just the disrespect, like just in, your, in front of your friends, his friends, are there, Gunnar was never his friend. You know, he was a teammate. But not in front of Larry. Not in front of the sweet boy, Larry. You just disrespectful. <laughs> he ain't supposed to see stuff like this. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I disgusted. So the next scene, it's apparently like pre-dawn or right after dawn, something like that. Early, early, early in the morning. And Gunnar is going out for a ski. And while he's skiing, we see someone pull up a bow and arrow and they shoot him. He gets hit directly in the chest. And I'm like, that? Did they have a sight on there? I think they did. Cause I'm like, that's real accurate. Cause he's moving fast. And they were able to, while he was doing a jump, catch him right in the heart okay 
killing him instantly, apparently, because he just fell to the ground and rolled in the snow. Now, there wasn't no blood in the snow, but we ain't going to talk about that because, you know, we ain't going to talk about that. But <laughs> like the distance and then the close-up photos, and clearly the close-ups were done in front of a green screen in a studio. <laughs> and the far shots were this, was the credited guy, the stump man who was skiing, who was built exactly, because Gunnar apparently was built exactly like Jessica. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, now Gunnar is dead. That's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, that's sad. Not super sad, but like messed up, I guess. But when we find out why, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You knew what she was getting yourself into. So the next scene, everybody is trying to leave because the storm is coming in quickly, right? So before they get snowed in, everyone's trying to get off the mountain. However, they have one minivan, okay, there is a cool 75 to 100 people in that lodge right now. Y'all got one minivan and the minivan is broke down. Okay. Apparently something froze and Mike is out there with Larry and asking Larry if he could fix it because they done fired the mechanic probably because they couldn't afford to keep him on staff. And so Larry's like, I can try. <laughs> this ain't my ministry. I can try. And as they're talking, Johnny Dowd rushes in and they're like, oh, what's the deal? And he's like, it's Gooner. He's dead. And Mike is like, what? Oh my God. Like that crazy fool. Like you gonna go skiing in a storm? And Johnny's like, no, he was killed with a bow and arrow. Not ski. Well, he was skiing in a storm though, but that ain't what killed him. The bow and arrow. Okay. The arrow portion or the bolt, whichever you want to call it, killed him. So now we go inside and Mike notifies Anne and they pull Jessica in and they ask her for help. And Jessica is like, uh, what y'all want me to do? And Mike is like, listen, I need, we need you to help convince people that something is being done about the, about Gunnar's murder, right? And Jessica is like, well, you have a working detective here already, Lieutenant McMasters from the NYPD. And Anne is like, no, he and his wife left this morning. So Jessica's like, listen, I don't know what y'all want me to do. I don't know how I can be helpful, Jessica, girl, you know how you can be helpful, but okay, you got to be modest, I guess. And so, <laughs> so Anne is like, at the very least, even if you show us how to protect the evidence, like that will go a long way. And so Jessica says, okay, I will do what I can until the police come. So the next scene, we are somewhere in the, a back room where they have Gunnar laid out. And Jessica is there with Dr. Lewis. And Dr. Lewis is like, I'm a gynecologist. Okay. I deliver, well, he didn't even say obstetrician gynecologist, but so he's like, I can handle that. All right. I can tell you whatever you need to know about the female anatomy. 
Okay, I could I could do that. Okay, I could do that. Cool. I don't deal with dead people. Okay, I might have been on a rotation with the pathologist. I barely made it through that. I I don't mm -mm, don't know. I don't deal with dead folk. This is too much. (laughs) Jessica's like, but you're a medical doctor, so. I'm going to need your assistance. And <laughs> so Ed returns and apparently as they were leaving, they were on the road and they hit a snowbank that was huge and they didn't even think they could make it back, but they were able to make it back. So they're here. And Ed is like, oh, what's happening here? And Jessica's like, oh my goodness, I'm so happy you're here. He's like, no, 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 no. Um, the Lowry's asked you to look into this. And Jessica is like, but you're a detective. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this ain't my bag. It is. It is. I'm a professional as well. But you know, you you have a gun, I assume. So I'm going to pass this on to you. I'm on vacation. And Ed is like, listen, if this was a kid getting knifed under the Deegan Expressway, I would know how to handle it. But a bow and arrow is out of my league, right? And Jessica's like, please, can you help? And so Ed is like, yeah, if you need someone to be leaned on or whatever, I can help. I can do what I can. But this is your show, Jessica, literally, literally. This is on you, right? So... Ed leaves. Dr. Lewis is like, can I go? Okay, I told you I don't be dealing with dead folk. So Jessica's like, oh, yes, yes, you can leave. So Jessica goes through Gunnar's pockets and finds a key for room 301. The next scene, we're back in the main lodge and Jessica is walking through. She's going through the, the lobby area to go and probably go into room 301. But she stopped by Anne who says, hey, this morning a call came in from Gunnar and it says, urgent, call me. There's a 702 number and it says Vicky. And of course, Jessica would know that 702 is in Nevada, a state in the States, okay? (laughs) Where Las Vegas is. That 702 is an area code for Nevada. And Anna's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, you, you tell me. But she was like, I thought it may mean something. So Jessica goes up to her room first, calls the number, and a very angry, disgruntled man picks up the phone. I'm like, then don't pick up the phone. If you don't want to talk to people, don't pick up the phone. Anyway, so it's the Tartaglia residence. She asked for Vicky. He says that she's not home. Jessica asks, well, do you know when she's expected? And he says, no, who is this? And Jessica does not respond, which I would have just been like, uh, this is Mary Ann. Okay. Um, I work at the local Target and she left something here the last time she was here. Okay. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) But she doesn't. She like covers the mouthpiece and hangs up as Mr. Tartaglia is like, who is this? Who is this? 
you know, okay. So the next scene, we're in room 301 and we see Mike enter. He's searching. Jessica pops up out the closet. Okay, <laughs> That might not have been the closet. It could have been a hallway within the room. I don't know. But she surely like pops out. And it's like, is this what you're looking for? And it's Anne's very distinctive lighter. And Mike is like, yeah, I'm going to need that. Okay, I don't want to hurt you, but I will. I'm like, Mike, listen, come, come closer. Come, come closer. Your wife is embarrassing you and does not love you. And you are threatening Jessica for her lighter because you're like, my wife didn't do it. I don't care. Let her go to jail. Let her sit there for a while. She out here sleeping with Gunner in your face, like in a place you pay for. Okay, your Olympic money is what got them there. And uh, just the, that, that, <laughs> terrible. Like I just disgusted. Anyway, so Mike is like, listen, I didn't kill Gunnar and neither did she. What had happened was we fought last night and it was, it was terrible. Mike, the reason she started a fight is so she could leave and go sleep with Gunnar. Dude, get it together. Okay. She started a fight so she could go down the hall and sleep with Gunnar. Okay, man. Anyway, so apparently they were engaged before his accident causing him to be disabled, right? And Anne went through with the marriage, but Mike says, well, I can never believe that she loved me for me. So he is blaming himself. Now we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But he's blaming himself for, I guess, always being suspicious and and everything like that, that by doing this, he pushed her away. If she did not want to sleep with somebody else, she would not have slept with somebody else. Okay, this is not a forced situation. She is 100% consenting to this. So either you're going to let her cheat in peace because you feel bad or you're going to get rid of her. Because the fact is, if she didn't want to marry you and she realized like, okay, I have to marry him because that's the right thing to do. But, you know, he ain't got that money. He doesn't have that status anymore. I don't know if I'm really into this, but okay, I'll suck it up. They've only been married three, they haven't even been married three years because he said his accident was three years ago and she went through with the marriage. So they've been married maybe three years or less, right? And she is having a whole, and and going to sleep with everybody. So you out here sleeping with the one person who sleep with everybody in the lodge that you own with your husband and your name is probably on there, but his money is probably what's paying for it. So just the actual nerve. And then you talking about he embarrassing you. You got the nerve to have spent the night. Okay, y'all, he wasn't consoling you. Y'all were having sex last night with this man while your disabled husband or differently abled husband is in an empty room down the hall staring at the door all night waiting for to see when you won't come out 
Then Gunnar leaves at 6 a.m. or a little bit before 6 a.m. like he does every day to go skiing. And then your husband is still sitting there looking, waiting for you to come out. You come out a little after seven, okay? And going about your day. Like it's okay that you didn't just sleep with this man, your husband's coworker or former coworker in this place that he owned. What? And then when you're confronted, when they find out that Gunnar was murdered, you're like, oh my God, I'm so scared because my lighter, I left it in there when we were having sex. Oh my gosh, the police are gonna have questions. Good, good, take her to jail. Let her sit in there for a bit. You gonna be this disrespectful. He should have did nothing. Would have been like, oh, well, my leg acting up. You know, <laughs> I can't go and get it. I don't know what you gonna do, okay? I suggest you speak to the police. Because you clearly didn't want to speak to me about whatever problems we have before you going to go there and have sex with this man for a whole week and a half now. No, we ain't got, there ain't nothing you need to say to me. Nothing. Anyway, so uh, Jessica is like, um, so she said she didn't kill him. Do you believe it? Why would you believe it? It's like, because I was just sitting in a room watching the door. So I know she couldn't have killed him because by the time she walked out the room, he was already dead in the snow. So the next scene, we're in the restaurant and there's a number of guys. I don't know if they're, they're all skiers. They all seem to know each other and they're remembering Gunnar. And one of the randoms starts talking. I say he's a random, I don't know his name. Um, I think he's uncredited too. Uh, so one of the randoms starts talking about a funny story about Gunnar. Larry takes exception to this. He's like, a per- this man is dead. Like, what are y'all here laughing about him? And he storms out. So Jessica and Ed come up and she's like, what, what's going on? And Ed is like, oh, I think this is an Irish wake, you know. So they have some conversation and Jessica's basically like, you know, you're right. This isn't the South Bronx. This isn't New York City where there could be 7 million suspects here. Whoever killed Gunnar is still in the lodge. They were here and they're stuck here. So our pool of suspects is at least small. So Ed walks off and Jessica finds Pam and Pam says, or Pam finds Jessica. I believe Jessica was sitting at the table and Pam approached her and says, oh, Jessica, I hear that you've been pressed into service. And Jessica says, yes, until the police arrive, I'm going to do what I can do. And Pam is like, listen, there is a large group of us who did not see it for Gunnar. And Jessica was like, oh, I I had the feeling that he was very liked, you know, well-liked. And Pam was like, yeah, he could turn on the charm, right? With, especially when it came to women that he was interested in. And the rumors have it that he took up with a mobster's wife in Lake Tahoe and barely made it out alive. And Jessica is like, oh, was was that lady's name Vicky Tartaglia and her husband uh, also named Tartaglia? And... Uh, Pam is like, I don't know, nor do I care to know. 
And Jessica says, you sound very bitter for someone who's not personally involved in the situation. And so Pam is like, listen, the fact is I had Gunnar signed on a $3 million contract, the largest contract in my so far humdrum career. And because of his womanizing, he's jeopardized it. Now he's dead. So it's really a moot point at this point. But he was jeopardizing it with his womanizing. I could have killed him. And so she realizes what she said. She was like, uh, figuratively, I wouldn't, I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't murder him, I promise. So the next scene, we're in a shed, a storage shed of some type. And we see gloved hands moving stuff away and taking off a blanket. And there is a bow with several arrows. And the gloved hand picks up one of the arrows and is looking at it menacingly. Well, we don't know if it's menacingly, but the camera is menacingly looking at the arrow. So the next scene, we're in the gym. Larry and Anne are working out next to each other. And Larry is, he's still upset about the whole, you know, they were making fun of Gunnar, right? And he he just was like, this very disrespectful to the dead, right? So he he's still upset and that's kind of still coming off of him. And he's like to Anne, like, oh, are you here to make sure I'll sign the contract now that Gunnar's dead? And Anne is like, I'm just trying to keep myself sane, okay? I don't care if you sign the contract or not, to be honest, okay? Like th- somebody is dead, I agree, and was murdered. So not just, you know, shocking because he was young, but he was for real murdered. And so Larry's pissed and he's like, I'm going to go get dressed. And he leaves, right? So Anne, she gets off the stationary bike and she's getting ready to walk out of the gym or go to another uh, machine. And Carl walks in and he is drunk. Okay, he is drunk. And he is upset. He's like, the only reason to Anne... It's just the two of them in there. The only reason that you came here, you didn't come here to ensure that Gunnar was going to adhere to the contract. You came here to break it. Gunnar was out here embarrassing y'all with his womanizing. Don't you think it hurt me as well to see him changing? So that this gives us a, a hint that he wasn't always out here doing this. Now, we don't know how long he'd been doing this, but... He, he'd been doing this for a minute and that Carl believes that Anne was trying to figure out a way to break the contract because they were about to have to pay a lot of money to Gunnar and he wasn't doing what he needed to do. So Anne is like, okay, clearly you're drunk. I'm not going to engage. How about we get you some coffee? Carl grabs her arms and is like, listen, if you were a man, I'd be killing you. And if I find out that you killed Gunnar, I might still kill you. I was like, he meant that. He meant that, okay? Then he goes stumbling off, okay? (laughs) I'm like, I feel bad because you have to think they never resolved that issue between Gunnar and Carl Carl is still like, I don't understand why he's changing like this, why he's out here womanizing, why he's risking his career, why he's trying to retire. And 
why he's not adhering to contracts and stuff like that, why he's treating me like a stranger who's asking him for money, you know, on the street. Like, I don't understand this. And then he ends up being murdered. And it's like, they he never, Carl never got closure. So he's messed up. So I feel bad for Carl. Carl is in a, a bad place right now. So now this interaction could not have taken more than five minutes. Okay, remember that. Remember that. So Anne then decides, I'm gonna go and take a shower, right? So she goes into the locker room, opens up her locker. She hears the water running. She turns and she sees a, sees white shorts and an orange shirt and they're bloody, right? And she's like, she walks over, she picks it up. Now that's what Larry was wearing, right? So she goes into the shower area and like usually Murder, She Wrote is not, they usually don't show a lot of blood. Sometimes they don't show any at all, okay? I was watching Armed Response again today and there's a whole gunshot. He gets shot in the chest and dies and there is not a bit of blood anywhere, anywhere, Anyway, so they they made up for all of the non-blood episodes with this. So Anne follows the sound to see which shower is on. She sees blood, bloody water, walks over to stand in front of the shower and there's blood and water. The camera pans up. There are a set of feet, legs, knees, then, you know, they can't be showing private parts and stuff like that. So then they, the camera turns to her, she's screaming, the camera turns back and they show Larry who is, uh, strung up by his neck to the shower, uh, the shower head and he's clearly dead. Right. So the next scene we are in. Pam's room and Jessica's trying to console her she she is like oh my god clearly messed up because it's Larry he didn't hurt anybody he was such a sweet person so it's just levels because the level of violence and the person who it was is just a lot for her which is understandable now clearly she's in shock because she's not super emotional So I'm going to chalk that up to being in shock. It just like all of these emotions trying to get out at the same time, resulting in her being stoic. So we're going to call that great acting. That's what we're going to do. So Ed comes in and he's like, well, according to Dr. Lewis, the gynecologist, (laughs) okay, um, it appears that Larry was hit from behind, then causing an injury to his left occipital bone. Perhaps that's the eye, don't, or the cheek. Don't quote me. I don't remember offhand. They didn't specify what it was. So this this is a guess from uh, forensic files. Anyway, so he was punched in the men's bathroom or locker room, dragged into the ladies' locker room, stabbed with the arrow, which is what killed him, and then strung up to the shower head. And I'm like, so Gunnar 
got shot from a distance with an arrow. Okay. Larry, who didn't do anything to anybody, ends up dying violently. Okay. On some straight up hands on situation because clearly the punch to the back was, it knocked him unconscious so that he was no longer a, a threat and, you know, wasn't going to fight back. I'm like, dang, why you have to do that to Larry? Oh, that's terrible. Like he, mm, that, that's sad. So Anne comes in and she says the phones are out so we can only call within the actual lodge. We can't get to anyone outside. And so Ed is like, listen, Anne, we have to do a room-to-room search. We have to find that bow and arrow. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. This is serious. Somebody else could get killed. And so Jessica is like, they probably didn't hide in their room. So you probably don't have to do that, but it's probably somewhere on the grounds. She says, you know what? I saw a truck in the parking lot that had a CB. I'm going to see if I can use that to call the police. So Anne says, okay, I'm going to track down the owner of the vehicle so we can get the keys and and you could get to do that. And Ed says he's going to speak with the Norwegian coach because he's like, I think, you know, after seeing his interaction with Gunnar, where Gunnar pushed him to the ground, that I need to speak with him. There's something not quite right about him. I'm like, what is not quite right about him? Uh, He was distraught about... Someone he considered like a son or a mentee or something like that, turning his back on him. And yeah, okay, I that his reaction was appropriate. So the next scene, Jessica and Mike are running out to this truck that has the CB. They're able to get through a little bit to the police to let them know that there's a second murder. But that's it. It's it's all uh, static and they, they're not able to get through. We find out that the police can't get up anyway. But yeah, so not a complete dead end, but also not super helpful. So the next scene, we're in the ski shop with Jessica and Mike. And Jessica points out that Perhaps the U.S. World Cup team is the target because Gunnar was murdered, Larry was murdered, and now there's only two of them left, Mike and Johnny, maybe they're in danger. And while they're discussing this, there's some movement, like something drops or something, and Jessica like runs over like away from where they hear the sound and Mike pulls a gun and Johnny yells Mike. And then he falls out from the curtain that covers the storage room. Apparently that's what was back there. And and apparently now Johnny is hurt. He is bleeding from the arm. He's holding his arm. And the next scene he's in a bed and they're bandaging it up. And he says that he was grabbed around the neck from behind. And then he felt a pain in his left arm. At that point, he must have passed out. He hit the ground and he woke up when he heard Mike and Jessica's voices. 
Okay. And Mike is like, well, why were you in the storeroom? And John was like, I was checking the generator. Okay. (laughs) So they, they leave him to sleep and he's like, how do you think I'm supposed to sleep? (laughs) Jessica's like, no, I, I understand, but we'll, we'll give you some peace. So in the, in the hallway, Jessica is speaking with Ed and Ed brings up like, Hey, I think the men's ski team, the Olympic ski team are the targets. Gunnar's dead, Larry's dead, and someone injured Johnny trying to kill him. And Jessica is like, well, all the evidence points to a left-hand psychotic killer. And Ed is like, how do you figure that? And so basically seeing as Johnny was grabbed from behind and then stabbed in his left shoulder that um well now wouldn't that person be right-handed why would they they would have grabbed him with the right arm oh I see what she's saying grabbed him with the right arm and then stabbed him with the left hand into his left shoulder um which yeah okay I get that and Larry had been hit on in the back of the head on the left hand side Right. But I'm like, I think it had to be like his cheek or something, because that's the only thing that would make sense. Because if you're punching from behind, you're coming around and connecting with the side of his face. That would make sense. So the person would be left handed because I'm like a right handed person could punch across, but it had to have been hit from behind connecting with the left side of his face. And so Jessica brings up the fact, however, that Johnny's injuries are superficial, according to Dr. Lewis. And she says, well, if you were the killer and you wanted to divert attention from yourself, then you could, and she motions, taking in the right hand and stabbing yourself in the left arm. And... Ed is like, wow, that that takes a lot of guts. And Jessica says, well, it takes more guts um, to go to the gas chamber. She then says, well, there's a third option that only Gunnar was a target and that the person couldn't get out. So the rest of, well, the second murder and then the attempted murder were just diversions. Which I'm like, okay, but why did y'all have to murder Larry? Like, what did he do? Oh, I'm disturbed by that. I am, yeah. So the next scene, Jessica is in bed. It is the middle of the night. Okay, the middle of the night. And the phone rings. She picks it up and it's Sylvia. And Sylvia is like, is Ed there with you? She was like, no. How you call in my room, my bedroom, in the middle of the night, asking where your husband is and if he is with me. Girl, my name is not Ann Lowry. Your whole husband ain't here. Why are you calling me to think that he would be here? And so Sylvia is like, well, he got a call and he got dressed and he left with his gun. I'm like, 
then why would why would he be in my room if he left with his gun? Why would he have come to my room? Like, why would he be in my room and I'd be able to pick up the phone? If I'm the one who called him, I would have met him somewhere to check whatever out that he needed his gun for. Sylvia, that don't make no sense. But I guess because it's the middle of the night, Jessica didn't catch it, catch it, that this doesn't make any sense. So Jessica says, I'll, I'll see if I can find him. Girl, you better stay your behind in bed. I can't believe that's her husband. She need to go looking for him. Why are you going to look for him? She, you ain't, you ain't married to him. He is not your responsibility. You're not the police officer. He is girl. I know we got to move the plot along, but I'm gonna need you to stay in bed. Be like, girl, you, you bugging. Think I'm about to get out of this warm bed to look for your whole husband? No, find your own man. Okay, bye. So, <laughs> like the nerve you gonna call me talking about? Is he there? For one, what are you implying? And so, you're like, oh, okay, I'll go look for him. No, why are you calling me? You know he ain't here. You know he is not in my room. He done ran out of there with clothes and a gun. You know he ain't coming to this room. Girl, if you don't get off this phone. So anyway, so Jessica go looking for for Ed outside. Okay, in a storm. Okay, and that ain't even her husband. Okay, it ain't even, if it was Seth, if it was Amos or Mort or uh, who who was the fishing captain? (laughs) Even if it was uh, David, that was who it was. That's who Leslie Nielsen played in Dead Man's Gold, David. And he knew her back in the day when she was young and they grew up together. Now, if it was any of that, or Harry McGraw or Dennis Stanton or Michael Haggerty, any of those people, I would be like, yeah, she about to get up and go look for them. But Ed McMasters, girl, that no, no, you stay your behind in bed. But she going to go out there and she going to look. Almost got shot by Ed because he's like, oh, I thought you were our boy uh, wearing a woman's coat. Okay, girl. Um, (laughs) So as they're talking, there is an arrow fired at them, almost hitting Jessica. They duck, they turn around and there's a snowmobile coming out of the shed. Ed fires two shots, apparently one hit. And the snowmobile veers to the side and tips over. They run over and they find that it's Carl who was operating it and Carl is dead. Uh, There is a bow and a number of arrows that has fallen out from a bag that was on the snowmobile. So the next scene, they're at the ski shop because now they know who the murderer is and the murderer is dead. So all is good with the world, right? We find out that the phones are working and everyone's getting ready to go. So the next scene, Jessica is carrying around Carl's coat for one, okay? (laughs) Just out and about. And Dr. Lewis comes up to her and he has pulled the bullets from Carl. And he's like, I... I'm never doing this again. It was nice knowing you. Lose my number. Forget my name. I'm going back to being a gynecologist. I'm going to go do needlepoint. I'm not even going to go out and deal with people other than my patients because I can't. 
I can't. I didn't, I didn't get this medical degree to do autopsies. There are people who are blessed with the ability to do that. That ain't me. Okay. That, that ain't, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. Okay. <laughs> and so Jessica looks at the bag and she's like, oh, two thirty-eight bullets, but are they from the same gun? And Dr. Lewis is like, I'm sure the police lab can figure that out. And Jessica says, oh, well, by the time they do that, the killer will be long gone. And so Dr. Lewis is like, I'm sorry, am I mistaken? But didn't Carl die by being shot by Detective Lieutenant McMasters? And Jessica is like, well, the question is, was he shot by anyone else? So Dr. Lewis is like, listen, I ain't even going to ask, okay? Um... Because then you're going to tell me and then I'm going to be even further in this quagmire. I can't. I'm done. I'm leaving. It's been nice. I don't want to be disrespectful, but I don't ever want to see your face again. Bye. Okay. <laughs> That's what he should have said, but he said it very nicely. So he he runs off literally. And Jessica's like, okay, I get it. This ain't for everybody. So she goes, she sees that there's a phone in the shed with a direct view of the outside of the ski shop where Jessica and Ed had been standing when the bow and arrow were shot. So as Jessica's walking away, she brushes some sleigh bells and they jingle. And it reminds her that she heard this while she was on the phone with Sylvia. And the fact is clearly Sylvia was outside. Sorry, spoiler. Hmm. Clearly, Sylvia was outside because she out here yelling like the reception shouldn't be that bad within the lodge. OK, <laughs> like if you in your bedroom and I'm in my bedroom at a moderate to moderate plus okay, <laughs> hotel, you know, resort lodge situation, it shouldn't sound like you're outside in a wind tunnel because that's what it sounded like. <laughs> Clue number one. But I'm going to give Jessica grace because she was awoken from sleep, even though she was already awake, clearly. But um, she was awoken from sleep. So she didn't realize until she heard the sleigh bells that uh, the call did not come from inside the house. So the next scene, everybody is packing up to go. We're back in the lodge and Sylvia comes down the stairs and Jessica's like, oh, hey, you know, um, Sylvia says that Ed is warming up the car. They're ready to go. And it was nice meeting you. And Jessica says, oh, well, you know, let, let's have a seat. Let's have a chat, you know, while, while you wait. And Sylvia's like, oh, 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 okay. And so as they're sitting down at the table, Jessica says, oh, well, I'm surprised that you guys are leaving, you know, with the two murders and the attempted murder. I'm sure the police who will be here shortly will have a lot of questions. And Sylvia says, yeah, you know, Ed said they would and we'd probably end up being here all day. But if they really need to speak with us, that they'll send someone down to New York to do a deposition. That doesn't make sense. You are an NYPD detective, lieutenant, right? Because he said he hadn't retired, Right. She said she told him to retire and he's like, what am I supposed to do? So it sounds like he was not retired, even though it it lists him as ex NYPD lieutenant. So he fired a weapon. Allegedly killing somebody 
And you think that you can just go home and if they want to talk, of course they're going to talk to you. Okay, you killed somebody. Okay, you fired your weapon. Even if it's in self-defense, they got to question you and you're talking about you're going to go home. You are law enforcement. And you're telling me that you would be okay with somebody who killed somebody. Okay, going on home to a different state, minding all of their own business, and now I got to go and send people to go down and question you at some later date? That doesn't make any sense, Sylvia. Or Ed, if he's the one who told her to make up that lie. Anyway, so Sylvia's like, the truth is, I'm really worried about my cat. I have her with a neighbor woman. I'm like, didn't we hear this? already and we're off to kill the wizard with the the squirrely accountant guy yeah who was arrested at the airport and tripped over the the ballast in the parking lot and dropped all that hundred thousand dollars that people were grabbing at it and so after he spoke with the police he was like can I go because um my cat is with a neighbor woman (laughs) I'm concerned Man, you about to leave to go to Mexico on a first class ticket. You was never coming back. And now you worried about your cat. Man, please. I don't believe Sylvia neither. So So at this point, Ed comes in and he's like, oh, we have a busted fuel line. So we'll have to be, we'll have to wait here for a while. And so Jessica says, oh, I was just telling Sylvia that there's been a development in Uh, the Carl Anderson and the murders or whatever. And Ed says, oh, it's a development. And Jessica says, yes, Carl was set up. And it was, remember, I said that there were three options. I think it's option three. And Ed said, so Anderson killed Gunnar and then killed Larry and injured Johnny to cover it up. And Jessica says, yes, those were cover-ups, but Carl didn't do it. And so Ed is like, but I shot him when he came after us in the snowmobile after shooting shooting at us with a bow and arrow. And Jessica pulls out the jacket that she's been carrying since the murder, okay? And she's like, yeah, you shot him here. But this is the shot that killed him. When you shoot a man, he bleeds because there was blood around the hole where she said this was the shot that killed him. But when you shoot a corpse, he doesn't. So the second bullet that Ed said he shot uh, had no blood around it. Okay. So Sylvia says, You're saying that he was dead when the snow thing came out of the shed? And Jessica says, yes. Dr. Lewis pulled the bullets from him. And I'm sure when they test them, they're going to find that both of them were from your gun, meaning Ed. And Ed says, what are you talking about? I didn't know these people. Why would I murder any of them? And Jessica says, for money, from a man named Tartaglia, because Gunnar was sleeping with his wife and he wanted Gunnar murdered. To which Ed says, you've been reading too many of your own books, lady. And Jessica says, no, 
I'm sure that when they ask the NYPD, they're going to find that there's no Ed McMasters working for them. And Ed says, but I was next to you when the arrow was shot at us. And Jessica says, it was Sylvia who did it. You called me from a phone in the car barn or the shed, right? And when you were on the phone with me, I heard sleigh bells and I didn't realize it until earlier today when I brushed past them and I heard them jingle. And so Jessica continues, you shot the arrow at, you called, I came down, you shot the arrow at us. You then shoved the snowmobile out the door with Carl's dead body in it. And so Jessica said, you know, the clue was that after Gunnar's murder, the only people who tried to leave were you two. And the only reason you could not leave is because you got stuck. So it had to be you. And since you got stuck unexpectedly, you then had to improvise and divert. And so Ed is like, you can't, good luck trying to prove any of this. And Jessica says, well, I leave that for the police, girl. <laughs> okay. And so Ed tells Sylvia, he's like, let's get out of here. And so as they turn around, two police officers come in, one with his gun drawn. I couldn't tell if the other one had his gun drawn as well. And Anne comes walking in and she's like, the police are here, Jessica. Jessica then walks between the gun and the McMasters, okay, which is a no-no. She walks over to Anne. Jessica is looking at the McMasters like, I can't believe this. Both of you are murderers. And they're looking at her like, damn it, we got caught. Okay. <laughs> so that's how the episode ends. That's that on that. So again, like this is one of my favorite episodes. And the reason I enjoy it, despite Anne and how disgusted I am with her, and we don't know, we don't even know but in the Murder, She Wrote universe, it is a regular occurrence that there will be a woman who is unfaithful and the guy at the end of things will stick with her. It is a recurring theme. And I'll point it out in other episodes where the woman is just like irredeemable. And the guy is just like, okay, it's fine. (laughs) You know, it's an interesting role reversal. And you usually see it the other way around in other types of, in other shows and movies. But it's really a common theme. So I would not be surprised if Mike, now that Gunnar is dead, that Mike and Anne try to make a legitimate go of it from here on out, that he forgives her. Now we don't know, but based on, uh, prior and future episodes of Murder, She Wrote. That's my best guess, okay? So despite Anne and her disgusting behavior, and despite the fact that sweet, sweet Larry was murdered, in 
the most horrific way. Like what? he wasn't even the target. Like, I don't understand why they couldn't have just come up behind him and stabbed him in the back with the arrow. Like, or even just hit him in the head and stabbed him with the arrow because that, that was the theme, right? The arrow was the theme. So why couldn't they just do that? Like, why you got to do all of this and string him up? And he's, uh, uh, what? That, that's terrible. He ain't do nothing to anybody, to anybody, okay? Just be a genuinely nice, decent human being. In spite of that, okay? I enjoyed the fact that... Um, just the twist at the end that it was the detective. And we honestly don't even know if Ed McMasters ever worked for the NYPD or if in his retirement, he became a mob hitman. We don't know because remember in murder at the Oasis, I believe that was it where, um, homegirl was wearing the lobster necklace. (laughs) But the murderer was the chief of police because he had been a police, a dirty police officer or detective in Chicago. And he had gotten this job as the chief of police so that he could murder uh, whatever the guy's name is, right? So... Yeah, in that case, he was an actual police officer, detective, chief of police, but also a hitman for the mob. So we don't know if that's also what Ed McMaster's situation is. Like he was an NYPD lieutenant, retired, and then in his retirement decided to make real money and be a hitman for the mob because he could use the whole um, NYPD lieutenant, you know, uh, credentials to get into places and to get people to trust him and to put their guard down so that he could murder without being suspected. So I'm going to take a leap. I'm going to say that he was NYPD and he did do 24 years. He decided to take the pension and because he didn't want to sit around and do nothing that his Uh, retirement plan was to be a hitman for the mob and make lots of money doing that. So that that's going to be what I'm going to go with because that works with the narrative of this story. (laughs) So I don't know. It's, it's a good episode. I enjoy it. I don't know why, but I definitely have it on my DVR and can sit and watch it on repeat, not back to back. Like I've never been that type of person, but I could watch it several times in a month without batting an eye. So next week we will be talking about coal miners slaughter, uh, RIP Loretta Lynn, who wrote coal miners daughter. Okay. Uh, we'll see if the trivia says that this is, uh, an offshoot of, that song by R.I.P. Also, it's not, well, we do have a young Megan Mullally with her natural voice, okay, with her natural voice. Those of you who watch Will and Grace um, and Karen, that's not her real voice. Uh, she does have a very pleasant real voice, like she does. Um, 
This is not one of my favorite episodes, but it's not one of the worst either. Don't don't take it that way. It's a fine episode, but I have it's not one I watch regularly. So we'll review it together. We'll we'll get through this together. But uh, yeah, Megan Mullally in her real voice. So that that's a a positive. Okay. (laughs) So anyway, until next time. You can find me on Instagram at the Fletcher Files Pod on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook Meta at the Fletcher Files Pod page on Facebook Meta. And of course, in the description box, there is the link to my Patreon. If you're not on it, get into it. Okay, we have a lot of good content for October. Coming up in November, there is two movie reviews. One is a Netflix, one is a Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. And there's also a book review from the Murder, She Wrote novel series. So all of that plus our weekly episode reviews. So I will see you next Sunday at 5 p.m. for Cole Miner's Slaughter. Until then, have an amazing week and I promise I'll do the same. Bye.